This teaching is from City Church Coventry. You can find us online at www.citychurchcoventry.org. Walk in wisdom towards those who are outside, redeeming the time. Let your speech always be with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how you ought to answer each one. Just a, just a short reading this week. We actually uh, looked at these scriptures the last time I spoke two weeks ago, uh, because I want to talk again today about redeeming the time, redeeming the time part two, if you like, or redeeming more time. Um, the, uh, the, the passage we looked at before in Ephesians finds a parallel here in Colossians. And if you remember last time, the scripture said, redeem the time, redeeming the time because the days are evil. And we saw that, that there's a principle in God and there's a, there's a dynamic in the, in the coming of the kingdom of God. That when the, when uh, there is opposition, when it's a difficult time, when it's days of evil, it kind of describes the whole era that we live in. But also, particularly as as things become more difficult and more challenging, um, there's always an opportunity for us to redeem the time, to buy back that moment to the eternal purpose of God. That whenever the enemy would come and think he's boxed us into a corner, he's actually really just put us in a place of great opportunity. And many translations, modern translations, translate the phrase redeeming the time, making the most of every opportunity. And that's what it means. But it kind of misses something in this idea of redemption, of buying back and taking something that looks like it's it's uh, it's it's it's. Um, opposed to the purposes of God, looks like it's, it's, it looks like loss, something that looks like defeat and turning it into a great victory. That what comes against us, what comes against this world to do harm, actually God turns it for good. And he says, you and I are those who can redeem that time. Remember the word here for time is kairos, which means an opportune moment, a, per, a, a season of opportunity. And so today what I want to Let's look at this uh, short passage in Colossians where Paul gives a specific application to the concept of redeeming. Remember, Ephesians and Colossians are, are sister uh, epistles and um, they were they were they would have been read by the same people. Although they were addressed to different churches, they would have then been circulated. And uh, and so when they would have read redeeming the time for the days of e- evil in Ephesians, they'll then find that in Colossians, Paul takes the same idea and makes a specific application. And the specific application here is to share the gospel, to good news. And he kind of gives us three things to do here, doesn't he? If I read it from the ESV, we heard it from the New King James, because that gives us the phrase redeeming the time. But the ESV, talking wisdom towards outsiders, making the best use of the time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. And so we're just going to take those three phrases that Paul uses there as he unpacks it himself uh, to to walk in wisdom, to to have uh, a gracious speech and to know how to answer. Okay, so three ideas that he's giving three things I think are really quite simple to to get hold of. And, you know, when we take some of these simple principles of the scripture, 
and kind of elevate them in our thinking and elevate them in our practice, we find that we engage with what God is calling us to do. So if we want to know how do we redeem the time? Well, the scripture tells us walk in wisdom, uh, be gracious in your speech and know how to answer. I think the third one actually comes from the first two. Wisdom is the correct and timely application of knowledge. We've talked, haven't we, about understanding the times and knowing what to do. And we understand the times. We understand that that these are evil days, um, but that evil days are days of divine opportunity. And so we can have that. We can take that knowledge, our understanding of the times that we live in. And when we apply it in the right way and at the right time, that's wisdom. So wisdom is to walk in the light of that knowledge. Now, walk, what does walk mean? It means a number in the scripture. It's, some, it's an idea that's, that's used uh, a, a lot by the, um, the writers of the New Testament, the idea of the Christian walk. We're familiar with that. And it kind of it's there in the Old Testament as well. This idea that life, the life with God is a pilgrimage. It's a journey. It's a it's 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 walking through a place that often we don't feel like we be, belong. The, the valley of trouble or the valley of the shadow of death or uh, or the presence of our enemies. Some of the terms that the, the psalmists talk about that we that we walk through. But there's a destination we have in sight. There's there's our destination of of that place where we end our lives by meeting with God. If we. If that happens before Jesus returns, it means we go to heaven. If it happens after or at the coming of Jesus, it means when heaven and earth come together. But our destiny is the same. It's the presence of God. And that's our walk. And, and so walk can speak about our conduct, how we behave, how we live our lives. And included in that, of course, is our speech. How do we talk? What do we say? It also kind of talks, doesn't it, about, you know, where we go. Um. That, that actually God guides our steps for his purposes. He leads us in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And also, what do we give our time to? So those are all the kind of things it's talking about when, when it talks about to walk in wisdom. Our walk, it's our conduct, our speech, our direction and our priorities. And the, the scripture we looked at says this, walking towards outsiders. And what we've been reminded there is that this is a public walk because you and I are witnesses to Jesus. That's the calling of every Christian. That's the nature of every Christian. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses. And the fact that our walk and our following of Christ uh, and the early disciples, in fact, I'm going to read something from Acts 5. And at this point, the, the name, the common name that was given to the believers was the followers of the way. And of course, that has a double meaning, doesn't it? Because Jesus says, I am the way. So it's talking about following Jesus. But it's also it also says that that when people become disciples of Jesus, when people become followers of Jesus, they walk in a certain way. And in Acts 5, verse 13, 14, this is in the early days of the church in Jerusalem. It says this about the believers. No one else dared join them even though they were highly regarded by the people. Nevertheless, more and more men, men and women believed in the Lord and were added to their number. It's interesting, isn't it? No one would dare join them. And then it says, but actually lots of people did. Um, but there was this reservation that people had because of the, the standard and the, and, the, and the way of life and the holiness and the cost, if you like, of following Jesus. One had them in high. Everyone thought, man, I'd like to be like that, but I'm, I'm fearful of taking that step. Now, that's a very public walk, isn't it? 
That's a very public display of being a witness to Jesus. And um, and I would say if we want to be effective in redeeming the time and sharing the gospel, particularly, we must give attention to our walk. This is not a time for being lax or um, or on the back foot, uh, you know, even even in terms of just our own mental well-being. This is not a time to sit back. It definitely is a time to get lots of rest. It's definitely a time to prioritize our time to. It's definitely a time in lockdown and uncertainty to to prioritize and not overstretch. But it's certainly not a time to go on the back foot when it comes for our walk with Jesus Christ. Remind yourself, give attention to your walk, set up your day for how you're going to redeem the time. And I think the first thing we can we can do in this is just to remind ourselves that we are redeemers of time. That's who you are. You are a redeemer of time. You have the ministry of reconciliation. Um, that comes with being a follower of Jesus. You have this ability. God doesn't call you anything or call you to anything that he doesn't equip you for. How else can we set so we can think rightly about who we are in Christ? The other thing, another thing we can do is this, is we can pray. We can simply pray and ask God for opportunities. Uh, what we give time to in prayer becomes the desire and priority of our hearts. I was reminded of uh, a testimony that, that Chris uh, shared at the beginning of lockdown back in uh, March, April time. God had been talking to us about sharing the gospel and suddenly we can't kind of communicate, talk, meet with anyone. And how he was just out for a walk and someone that he'd never had a conversation before uh, with before stopped him and, and asked him, what do you think God thinks about this? You, you see, the Holy Spirit is not impeded. Uh, he can make opportunities. If, if we're praying, God, give me that opportunity. Give me a way of being able to redeem the time. Give me the, a way of being able to share the good news. He will make it happen because the Holy Spirit loves to equip us and lead us into good works. I think that was one of the scriptures the youth brought us this morning. He leads us into, into, into good works that he's prepared in advance for us to do. He sets up these divine encounters, these divine opportunities. But, you know, I think we can often miss them because uh, we, we, we've not kind of given our attention to that. We've not raised our expectation. We've not been praying and asking God, give me these opportunities. So pray. Another thing is really important. We live a life of integrity. That's what the Jerusalem church was highly regarded by the people. How are we walking? How are we dealing with the, the challenges and the struggles and the disappointments? You know, if we pretend that we're not experiencing those things, nobody's going to want to listen to us because we just seem kind of like completely different and alien and, and weird. And probably they know you're lying. Um, so, uh, and nobody wants to listen to a liar. So, you know, how we live a life of integrity, of, of, of uh, not hiding the challenges, but in that being able to show this is how God has brought me through. And we're called to holiness of living right lives. You know, the context of that passage, that verse I read in Acts 5 is just before that. Ananias and Sapphira had been struck down dead for lying uh, to the Holy Spirit. That was that was the people were afraid to join them because they knew what had happened to Ananias and Sapphira. And it was like, I'm not sure I want to be a club if that what that's what happens when you step out of line. And yet they were still drawn. 
they were still drawn. You know, that's the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord doesn't send you away from God. It actually draws you to God. Uh, but it but it but it really puts in focus for you the cost that there is. You know, God wants to, us to live holy lives because holy lives are attractive lives. Holy lives are lives that demonstrate the true nature of what God is like. Holy lives are those that that people look at. And though there might be some element of of um, um, intrepidation about that, oh, that desire for what that life represents wins out. 1 Peter 2, 11 and 12 says this, Dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles to abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day that he visits us. Isn't that wonderful? Abstain for the sinful desires because they wage against your soul. God's first and foremost concern about us, a holy life, is the best life. It's the most fulfilled, enjoyable, exhilarating, loving life that you can live, rewarding. That's the holy life. But also then it glorifies God because the fruit that it produces speaks so powerfully of who he is. Walk in wisdom. Uh, let's set ourselves up to be ready to redeem the time the second one is this let your speech always be gracious the grace of god is just a beautiful and wonderful and powerful and amazing thing the grace of god is what sustains us it what it's what keeps us alive galatians 1 6 says that we are called to live in the grace of god it's kind of like it's kind of like it's a bubble or an atmosphere or a place or a it's you know it's an environment we live in the grace of God, you know, Psalm 23, surely goodness and kindness or, or, or grace is grace is goodness is loving kindness is mercy will follow me all the days of my life. It just the grace of God is kind of characteristic of our lives. The grace of God is also the source of our life. You know, without God's grace, we wouldn't have eternal life. We wouldn't have. Uh the new life in Christ, we wouldn't have been born again. That all comes. The grace of God is the source of that. The grace of God is the means by which you and I receive any good thing from God. Grace is why I'm still alive and that, that my sin hasn't killed me. That's only by the grace of God. It's true for every one of us. We were dead in our transgressions and sin, but sins, but God raised us up in life with Christ together with him. We deserve death. We deserve separation from God. We deserve nothing but grace, but the grace of God comes. And so it says, be gracious in your speech. And I think if we're having to think, am I being gracious in my speech, then perhaps we need to dig down a little bit and say, am I living my life in the grace of God? Have I got a grace, grace consciousness? Is that what fills me? Is that what is that what frames my existence? Is that is, is my thanksgiving to God for his grace in Jesus Christ that's poured out to me day after day after day? Is that the kind of the founding reality of my life or is it something else? Is, am I distracted by other things? Are other things coming in and taking root? If I have to think all the time about how I speak, uh, you know, that that's exhausting. Um, but, you know, having your speech, uh, gracious speech seasoned with the salt of the word that, that is a natural flow out of a heart that appreciates and lives in the gracious, uh, the grace of God. 
gracious, gracious speech means speaking words of life. Do you remember the time when Jesus says to the crowds, you know, unless you drink my blood and eat my flesh, you have no part in me. And everyone, not surprisingly, left him except the 12. And Jesus says to him, are you going to go as well? And I think it's Peter that answers him. It says in John 6, 68, well, where else would we go? You have the words of eternal life. You have the words of eternal life. And, you know, there's a there's a calling and an anointing upon you and I to speak words of life. I found myself in a few times in the last few weeks, I, I've needed to uh, be in conversations with, with people, maybe someone that's in trouble, maybe someone that's in difficulty, maybe even someone that... Um, uh, that that I need to 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 come and, and and bring a correction from the word to, and my prayer in those situations has been God words of life, give me words of life, not words of condemnation, not words of judgment, but words of life, like the disciples heard, the crowds heard something disturbing. The crowds heard something almost repulsive in what Jesus said, but the disciples said, but we've heard so much life. Your words are life to us. You and I can be those who speak words of life. And I encourage you because I found this so effective myself in recent times. If you're if you if you're in a situation where you want to talk, you want your speech to be gracious. Just just pray and ask the Holy Spirit. Give me words of life. Give me words of life. I'm not trying to persuade the mind. I'm trying to impart eternal life into the heart of someone. Now, along with those things, there may come conviction and repentance and there may be struggles in thinking. But the words of life, that's what Jesus spoke. And that's what he anointed your lips and my lips to speak as well. Gracious speech means speaking words that achieve something. You know, one of my favorites is Second Timony, Timony, Second Timothy, chapter one, verse nine and ten in the J.B. Phillips translation. It's quite a long. So I'll just give you this one phrase. It says he gave us in Christ Jesus the grace to achieve his purpose. And, and that for me is something that's always true of grace is that grace is to achieve. Grace is to produce something. Grace is to have a, an effect. Grace is to bring life. Grace is to bring uh, the power of God into situation. Grace is supposed to do something. It's an active word. It's an empowering word. It brings something into the situation. It achieves something. And so when I'm, I'm praying and I say, Lord, I want my speech to be gracious, I mean, it means I expect my words to make a difference. I expect my words to have an impact. And the final little bit that we get in this uh, idea of gracious speech is this, that it's seasoned with salt. I believe salt there is speaking of preservation. Um, it's of, of, of the fact that, that you know, uh, that, that, that uh, that's one of the natural functions of salt, that it preserves things. It's rotting. And there's a sense, you know, that um, when we're we're called the salt of the world, we're the light and the salt. Uh, it means that we're here to preserve in these evil days. There is something that resists evil and preserves. Peter is talking uh, in Second Peter three about the day of the Lord. And he says, you know, some people are saying, well, why hasn't it happened yet? Nothing ever changes. And he says, well, you, you, you know, this is why God, this is what he effectively said. This is why Jesus hasn't returned yet. He wants to give as much opportunity as possible for people to be saved. And, you know, the preserving grace 
The preserving work of words of grace is there to lead to saving grace. That your words of life, it may not be that in the first instance somebody turns and comes to Christ, but you will have spoken words out of a heart that is full of grace and full of appreciation of grace. That are words of eternal life, that are words that bring change and achieve something, and are words that can preserve that person or preserve that situation so that God can come and do a work of saving grace. Because remember, the whole context of this passage is about being able to share effectively the good news and leading people to Jesus Christ. And that is where the, the final point here comes is that so that you would know how to answer so that you would know how to answer. Now, at, at surface level, that might be passive. Well, I can just sit around and as long as I'm ready, uh, if anyone happens to ask me a question uh, like that story I told that Chris shared, uh, then then I'll be ready. Uh, but I don't think it's supposed to be passive at all. And um, rather, I think what we find is if we walk in wisdom and speak with grace, we will live a life that provokes questions. Uh, we'll live a life that provokes questions because of, of, of the wisdom and the grace that is seen in us. You are a walking and talking testimony and witness to the grace and goodness of God. When God wanted to show this world, when God wanted to show your friends and neighbors and families uh, what his grace and his wisdom looked like. He sent them you. Isn't that amazing? You think, well, I wouldn't have chosen me. No, I wouldn't have chosen me either, but God did. And, uh, you know, the, the way the relationship works is if, if he thinks it's the right thing, it is the right thing. Um, you are a walking and talking testimony uh, to the grace and the goodness of God. 1 Peter 3.15 addresses this same idea. He says, in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to anyone who asks you to give reason for the hope that you have and do this with gentleness and respect. And I think sometimes, uh, again, this passage can be quite, uh, it can feel like a bit of a pressure. I need to be ready at all times to be able to give an answer to any of the deepest theological or doctrinal question anyone's likely to throw at me. You know, if God is good, why is there suffering in the world? Oh, I don't feel prepared to answer that. I'm, I'm letting down, letting God down. I'm not fulfilling this scripture. But, you know, I think it's something altogether lighter in our spirits than that. Because he begins this, Peter says, in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. If our focus is on Jesus, it's um, it's 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 like we like we said before. If we're living in the grace of God, um, then our words will be gracious, and if they're gracious, then they will be affected. But here, here we're told, revere as Lord, make make the 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 person of Jesus central in your life, and all you need to do to be prepared to give an answer is to be ready to open your mouth. Jesus even. Peter and the other disciples, that the Holy Spirit would bring to their remembrance his words when they were being questioned. And here's the thing as well that we sometimes skip over in here. Give reason for the hope that you have. And somehow we read that as being able to answer every question about the gospel or about the Bible. But actually it says give reason for the hope you have. In tough times, hope shows. In tough times, when it's when things are, are, are difficult, when when there are there are unusual pressures on life, those that have a hope, that hope really shows. You know, when everything's good and everything's easy in the world, the fact that you're you have hope may not make you look that different to the world around you. But when the pressure of the world is on, 
and not just on outsiders, as Paul calls them. By the way, those outsiders, it's not about separation. It's about those that haven't yet discovered the hope. God wants the outsiders to become insiders. But the hope that we have shows when we're in tough times because of how we respond to the tough times. Like before, not like we pretend that we're not under the pressures that everyone else is under, but that somehow our lives show that we live in a way that is different. We live fixed on something different. And it shows that we have something that the world, that outsiders don't have. Like I said, this is not God talking about exclusion or or excluding people from anything. It's saying, look, it becomes obvious. Are you, you know, there are those that live in the grace of God. There are, there are, there are those that live in the presence of God. There are those that walk in the wisdom of God. And there are those that are outside of that. And God says, I want to bring those outsiders in. And it's hope that's going to show the difference, not how well you can answer doctrinal questions or riddles about, you know, the Bible or the nature. It's, it's the hope. Why do you walk in a different way? Why do you have a different attitude? Why? It's like Paul on the ship that was going to be, that was about to sink. You know, he stands up and says, but God has told me no one's going to be saved. If uh, no one, no one's going to die. If you do what I say, you know, he was, he was, in the same situation as everyone else, but he had a different word and he had a different perspective. And and that hope was infectious to others. <laughs> they were desperate. Of course they were. I guess maybe they would have, have, you know, done anything at that point. But there was a man whose response was different. I'm in the same boat. I'm in the same storm. I'm in exactly the same situation. But I'm my life is framed differently. My life it's is is resting on a, on a word of god on the call of god on the goodness of god on the faithfulness of god that's you and i in this season so let your hope show let it be let it be seen how you walk in troubled times um let it be shown in how you respond to adversity opposition even sickness or mental health challenges say you know i've experienced this but let me let me tell you how i've come through this or let me tell you how i've been sustained in this or let me tell you how i'm dealing with this let me tell you how 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 jesus is helping me through this why i'm not in despair even though i might have been knocked down even though you know i've faced challenge but there's a hope. There's something that draws me on and causes me to get up and go. We're not immune to any of these things, but we have a way of dealing and responding to them that the world doesn't have. Hope. Hope that God will ultimately work for good. Hope that Christ will one day put an end to all death and suffering if we take that long term view. Hope that we will arrive safely at our destination just as hope that this distress and adversity is temporary and as we come towards christmas we've got a wonderful opportunity to redeem the time to walk and speak and answer in such a way that draws people to christ and to a saving encounter with the gospel through the month of december so city church folks in particular i'm talking to you now we want to put out a series of short videos Advent season on the theme of the light shines. In. Hopefully one or two of those will go up in the community group tomorrow. So you see what we're looking for. 
And we would like as many of you as possible to do that. It can be a reflection on a scripture. It can be uh, a testimony. It can, it can, it whatever you want that just brings out that principle of that, that the light shines in the darkness. You know, there's so much uh, uh, rich language used around that in the time in, in, in the expectation of Christ coming, that he comes as the true light, the ultimate light to come and bring illumination into the lives of, of men and women that had never been known before. That's that's what God is doing. So we, we're, we're after you to make those videos. This can be your way of redeeming the time. This can be your way of, of laying hold of the prophetic word that told us it should be a year of evangelism. You think, I've not had a lot of opportunity this year. You know, the opportunities are still there. The year isn't over. The opportunities are still there. We can redeem the time. We can take the adverse situation and say, I'm going to do something that means I'm part of God's answer. And so uh, keep looking in the community group. That's where we're going to share details of how we would like you to do that. And then we're going to be putting those out through the month of December. Um, and we're going to build towards our uh, Christmas carol concert on the 16th, which is going to be a, a, the, the worship team are doing a, a fantastic job of putting together some beautiful music for that. And we're going to use that as a way to tell uh, the wonderful story of, of the incarnation of Christ coming into the world to seek and to save the lost. A wonderful opportunity to share the gospel. Sunday, the 20th of December, the Children, as well as, as many other folk, are going to be, will be doing our family carol service, another opportunity to share the good news. And I know that the kids' leaders are already uh, getting some of the material ready for that and engaging the children in doing that. You think if you make a video, here's what you can do. You can share. You know, there's, a, there's the, 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 the power of, of, of sharing stuff on social media is, is amazing. And, you know, the more that happens, the further we can get the word, the more people we can draw in, the more we can invite, invite and bring in our Christmas services. And we're going to be ready early in the new year as well to another Alpha course, because we believe there's going to be a lot of people that want to hear more about the good news of Jesus Christ. Those are all ways that we can redeem the time as we walk in wisdom, speak gracious words and live lives that provoke questions that we can then answer and share about the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. You and I, by the anointing of the Spirit, are going to redeem the time in these last few weeks of 2020. Amen. Thanks for listening to this teaching from City Church Coventry. You can find more great teaching and other resources on our website at www.citychurchcoventry.org.